Well, good morning, everybody. Yes, greetings from Babylon. Um, I'm really glad to be here again. Uh, we have, uh, we always enjoy coming up. We were actually planning on coming up a little bit later, but or in a month or so, and then, yeah, we've been uh, quarantined and socially distanced and all that, and so we figured we'd, uh, we'd come up early and see you, and just great to be here with you today. Yeah. Great to be in Idaho. We love this place, love this church, um, love you people, and it always just feels like home. Um, it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been kind of a weird few months, hasn't it? You know, even just coming to church, you know, have you done that? You come to church and you walk up to somebody and you're like, you do one, you do one of those, like, are we hugging? Are we shaking? Are we doing the, the elbow? What are we doing here? And, uh, yeah, it's just weird. And, and I was just talking to Pastor Rutzen before this, it, 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 it should feel weird, um, because if you know if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the primary thing the Holy Spirit is doing is drawing people together. He's drawing the church together, and so we get we feel weird when we don't get to get together, and and that's probably a good thing. It says that your 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 Holy Spirit is working correctly, um, but uh, yeah, we've uh, you know our, just so you know our our area in California is very uh, unchurched. We're about three percent churched in our county. And um, it's very post-Christian, which, you know, American, for the most part, has is, is become that way. But our area is very post-Christian, uh, sort of spiritualistic. We have a lot of new age and all that. But um, uh, So we're always praying for opportunities to, to connect with people and connect with our city. And, um, you know, Renee was just reminding me of all the, the wonderful prayer and, and financial gifts that you all sent during our, our fires over the last few years. And so grateful. I want to say thank you on behalf of my church for your love and support um, through that time. One of the things that we prayed for during that time was that our churches were able to make a connection with the with our, our local governance, our supervisors, our, our governor, and um, w- during the fires it was just kind of making it through. But I just wanted to tell you one of the amazing things that's happened during this time is that we have had an unprecedented new relationship with our county board of supervisors. And it's a big deal um, because, you know, we've been looking for that and longing for that and, and longing for a voice with our county. And, of course, you know, the, Bible, the same Bible that commands us to not forsake the gathering each of, together of each other also tells us to, to advocate for and seek for the peace of your city. And so our relationship with our county and our governor is important to us. Uh, when our governor first came out and gave us the phases, churches weren't even mentioned in the phases. And so we had to advocate through our supervisors. And I just want to tell you just a little story. Uh, I'm on several calls a week with the pastors of our county, and one of them is with our board of supervisors, and they began talking to us. And about three weeks ago, one of our supervisors, none of them were, are even remotely Christians, told us that the county had recently done a survey and conducted a survey, and they had begun to... Um, quantify, uh, financially quantify the impact that the churches have been having on the county. And they said, basically, over these last two months, um, the suicide attempts have gone through the roof. In fact, the latest polling said in America there have been more suicide attempts in the last four weeks than there were in the year previous. 
they said, um, we have now recognized just how much emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical care that the churches provide because since you guys haven't been meeting, things have gotten way worse. And they quantified it in the tens of millions of dollars. Now, to us, we're going, yeah, tell us something we don't know. Like, but, but more to the point, it was really gratifying to, to be a part of that. And so that has uh, allowed us to have this really fresh, communicative relationship with our supervisors. And because of that and their advocacy, they have helped move churches toward the front of the list. And, and in fact, a couple of weeks ago, our governor spoke and spoke very highly of the churches, moved it all the way up into you know, phase 2.5 or 3 or whatever it is, I can't keep track of it anymore, and mentioned several times, hey, we want the churches to open in weeks, not months, and then reiterated it, weeks, not months. And to us, that was a massive deal. Um, and, and then along with that, we were on a call with our supervisors, and the supervisor, the main supervisor, again, who's not a Christian, was there on the call with us as we're talking and talking through some of the things, and and his son, who's about seven or eight, came tearing through the room. We're on Zoom, and so there's you know, probably 50, 60 of us. Came tearing through the room behind him, screaming, God loves me! <laughs> and then kept going. I'm not kidding. I'm honest to God, that's not a joke. And the supervisor laughed, and everyone's just dying on the, on the call. You know, we're just dying. And he said, yeah, he said, we've been tuning in to some of the churches just to get a feel for their, what they do online. And, and, and he said, he said, my son told me the other day that God loves me more than I do. And he said, he said, yeah, I haven't really figured out what that means. I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that. And honestly, God, there's like a 10-second pause on this Zoom call, and all the pastors are just going like, what the is going on here? Like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy's going to get saved before this is over. And, and so anyway, um, I say all that to say that... Um, well, the thing I've been telling my church, and I'd just like to encourage you about here, this thing that's happened to us is not an interruption in our normal lives in our normal church. If you've come back to church and the only thing you've gotten is, oh, thank God, that's over so we can get back to the way things were. I just want to tell you right now, just ask you, throw your sails up again because you missed something. Um, God doesn't do interruptions to his plans. And I really believe that what the result of this, we got up there in 2020 and all of us pastors up there preaching. I don't know if you did. There's not a 2020 vision and we're going to have this is going to be the year. We didn't know that didn't mean that meant we're not going to be in church for three months and not have Easter. But um, I believe that this is going to be, I believe the church is going to come out of this and is coming out of this stronger. Um, and, and, and I mean, sincerely, I mean that. Um, there have been a lot of questions asked and, 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 and things put in front of us during this time um, that is really valuable. Some people have realized that um, the sort of casual relationship I had with the church isn't going to cut it. Now that I don't have that ability, well, God is calling me to really press in now. Um, some people were realizing they weren't ever Christians to begin with. And that's hard, but it's, it's true. Um, but the God is doing a refining and a pruning process in this. And I tell you what, now I'm looking at it forward. And I, I was talking to one of our overseers the other day, and he was sharing with me a little bit. And he said, you know what? He said, Nick, he said, I count myself so fortunate that God allowed my generation to be the one to assign to this thing, to this unprecedented thing. I said, well, that's a cool way to look at this. He said, you got the assignment. This is not survival. This is not, oh, God, they can stop persecuting us so we can go back to church. He said, no, no, no. Don't miss this. 
This is something God is doing in the church. This is doing something God is doing for the church. So the church, sometimes we need our lights turned on. Listen, I'm the first one to say sometimes in church we get lazy and get comfortable and we need God to turn our lights on a little bit and tell us, hey, this is just about me coming to church on Sundays. Like there's a much bigger thing going on here. Like your neighbors matter, your governor matters, your board of supervisors matters. That all matters. And so I just like to encourage you. I'll, I'll preach short, don't worry about it. But, but I just want to encourage you. Um, today to really grasp a hold of what it is that God is doing. It's bigger than just getting back to church. Don't miss this. It's important. God is just using it sometimes. God says, I need to accelerate you guys quick, so I'm just going to burn it all down for a minute, and then you get back. Right? All right. So um, let me just share a word that's been on my heart uh, recently that I, I gave to my church, and, and I'd like to give to you too. I, uh, I've been thinking about uh, anxiety and I'm sure everyone here, in a sense, has experienced anxiety during this time. I won't ask for a raise of hands. I'll just assume that you're all with me. Anxiety is, um, anxiety, you know, we're all wrestling with this, but, but anxiety is more than just stress. Uh, anxiety is almost like something physical you carry with you. Like, you can be stressed about something. Like, I was stressed during the last 10 minutes of the Super Bowl, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but... Uh, anxiety is like something you carry with you. And this season, I mean, I, as a pastor of a church, one of the mo most important things that I've been doing is reaching out and touching my congregation that feels very isolated. And, and there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of emotional turmoil. It's hard to be cooped up with people, even people you like, for a long time. Right? If you, some of you are married, some of you aren't even looking at your spouse. You're just like, no, just keep looking at the preacher. Um... There's been a lot of mental, and, and, and look, when you're, when you're isolated, and this is true, just remember this, when you're isolated, you tend to tilt and lean toward your weakest side. And so a lot of us experience, we know what our weakest side is now. We lean, maybe if you're prone toward depression, you lean toward that. Some of you are prone toward just mentally, you know, having trouble keeping up, you lean toward that. Some of you are prone toward certain addictions, you lean toward that when we're isolated. And, 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 and sometimes it's good to be able to see that so that we know that we're bring, what we're bringing to God during these times. Um, but anxiety does that. It's, it's, like a, it's like a general state of anxiety. And I just, just a lot of people carrying this and just, you know, when are we going to get back to normal? And, and your mind starts going in circles and you, you, sometimes you wake up, some of you have been waking up with a knot in your stomach because of what this meant financially to you during all this. And you get that oppressive weight of your emotions and worry that just, it's like you wake up with it and you put it on like a shirt and your conversations with people just kind of have that filter for you. That's anxiety. It's more than just, you know, stress. And, and it can produce a lot of things. It can produce physical sickness. Um, it can produce just a lack of focus that no amount of coffee takes care of. Um, and that's why that Paul wrote to us in the Scripture and says, don't be anxious. Um, and I'm going to give you, I didn't give, if, if there's someone running a computer or something, we have a screen. Okay, never mind. Well, then look it up on your phones then, all right? Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Philippians 4, two verses. Chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Um, and I want to read this to you and just give you a little encouragement on how to, how to deal with what is sort of a generally con general consensus of anxiety as we move through this time together. And no matter where you're at, no matter what you're wrestling with and stressing with, I know this word's going to speak to your heart. So here's what he says. He says, be anxious for nothing. All right? I mean, some of us are reading that and going, too late. 
I already screwed that one up, God. All right, but let's, let's keep going here. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. So that's, that's do this, don't do this, do this, and here's the, here's the promise that comes with that. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So he starts with this command. He says, don't be anxious. Now, you've got to read that as a command of Scripture. That's not, you know, hey, just work on your anxiety. Don't be anxious. There's a command of Scripture. And so some of us are going, yeah, that's difficult. Right? Yeah, I'd love that, but I'm anxious. And, and, and here's why. We all think... I will stop being anxious when the things that are making me anxious stop being there. Right? That's the math. That's how the math works. Sure, I'll stop being anxious when the things that are making me anxious are provided for. Then I won't be anxious anymore. When the kids go back to school, you parents, I'll stop being anxious. When the economy starts growing again, and if I was in California, I would just say, when we get to go out and when we get to get together at church again and go out to restaurants again, and I don't have to wear that stupid mask everywhere, I will stop being anxious. And here's the problem with this. There's never going to be a state of time in your life when you don't have something like that weighing on you. The problem-free existence, the, illu the religious illusion of problem-free does not exist on this side of eternity. And if you buy into this idea that we are waiting, I will stop being anxious when these things are taken care of, you will get into a cycle of fear and frustration called anxiety. Okay? So that's how it works. That's the psychology behind it. But the good news is anytime God gives us a command like don't be anxious, he is always going to provide a way through himself to achieve it. All right? And you got to make sure you, read, you don't read the commands of Scripture as something that you have to do. The story of the Bible is, if you could have done this, you would have already done it, but you can't, so you didn't, so Jesus had to do it. I'll just give you a minute to tweet that out, and then we'll keep going. Um, but, but, but don't read this command, don't be anxious, as some sort of command for you to sort of trick your mind and emotions into, all right, I'm just going to... All right, we've got a lot of New Agers in our county, so this is what you've got to do. You've got to get your chakra right, and you've got to... Hmm, just all aligned. Can we also get our mind? Should we start humming? Should we do that? No, okay, let's not do that. It's not, a, it's not a command to you to fix your emotions in your mind. It's a command to allow yourself to part, enter into, to, to participate into what God has already done, given you through his spirit. Okay, so, so let's, let me give you this real fast. Here's, um, here's what this verse says. This verse says that the answer to anxiety is not provision, it's peace. The answer to anxiety is not provision. It's not having something taken care of. It's peace. Okay? It's not changed circumstances. It's changed perspective. So this verse says, doesn't say don't be anxious because everything's already taken care of. It says bring your request to God and then you will have this peace. Um, you guys know uh, who Ravi Zacharias is. Some of you know who Ravi Zacharias is. Great, one of the premier Christian apologists of the last half century, passed away last week. Wonderful man, um, just so inspirational, such a clear thinker, just surgical uh, in his thinking and his, his uh, advocating for, for uh, uh, apologetics in the Christian faith. And he 
constantly toured these secular universities having these conversations. And the beautiful thing about this man was that he was so surgical in the way he thought, and yet he was so gracious and so winsome and in the way that he presented it. He was never antagonistic and confrontational with people. It was always this, just this presenting in such a beautiful way, and he passed away. And, and the interesting thing, if you read his books, and he talks a lot, uh, he, one of the things he talked about most was the function of difficulty and pain and suffering in the life of a Christian. He talked about it all the time. And he wasn't one of those people that, say, that, that bought into, see, you see, um, the secular humanist way of thinking, which all of us participate in whether we know it or not and have to have the Bible conform us out of because we're constantly being bombarded with it in, in your relationships and TV and all that. The secular humanist idea of pain and suffering is that those things only exist to be overcome. That the only function of, there's no purpose in pain, no purpose in suffering, there's no purpose in the challenges of your life, there's no purpose in the in things that you're going through that are making you anxious other than to overcome. And therefore, what we understand implicitly is that if I'm not overcoming these things, I'm somehow failing. I'm not being my best self. And that's, by the way, where a lot of depression comes from. I can't seem to get over this. It, this pain, this suffering, this challenge is still in my life, and I can't seem to get over it. And somehow, subconsciously, we embrace this idea that we are failing somehow. No wonder we're miserable. No wonder people are miserable. But Ravi Zacharias said something different. In fact, something pretty crazy. He said, actually, Christians should be grateful for pain and suffering. It just sounds stupid just to say it. And I'm in a church. I don't know why I'm saying this anyway. But he, he, said, he said, we should be grateful for the pain, suffering, and challenges that we face daily. And the reason is, he said this, because they reveal the things that you need to know most, which is number one, that you're not all that and are in fact incredibly frail. And doesn't it just take like a pandemic for us to go, oh my God, where's all my support structure? I don't get to go to church and I don't get to go, and the toilet paper is just gone, man, it's gone. And it snaps us out of this illusion that we're somehow in control. And in fact, our lives hold on the, like, are on the edge of a knife at every given moment. And so he said, you should be grateful for pain and suffering. Not that you like it. He didn't say don't like it. He didn't say like it. He said you should be grateful because it shows how the pride that, that pride that we have that we think we aren't frail. And it causes us to reach for and depend on God's strength. It causes us to reach for something greater than ourselves. Now look, you may not be thrilled with the way this last couple months have gone. You may not be thrilled because of the way your job situation is lining up. You may not be thrilled because of the pain and the suffering in your life. And I'm not saying that's not real. It's real. It matters. But I am saying this. What he says in the scripture is that there's a purpose for it. Pain, suffering, and challenges are not meaningless. They don't exist just to be overcome. There's a purpose. You may not be thrilled by these states, but you can allow them to propel you toward the sovereignty and love and care of God who very much loves and cares for you. And that means, and this is what he's saying in the scripture, that in Christ, I can have peace in the midst of that which troubles me. Are you getting this today? And just, just hear this, because I feel like there's someone who needs to hear this right now, and that you've been waiting for something to be over, and then my real life begins. 
then I'll be that person that I know I can be. I know that I'm that person that God has called me to. I love it when they get up here and tell me the Holy Spirit's got some, some stuff for me and I, uh, there's power and there's authority and there's joy and there's peace and there's all these wonderful things the Holy Spirit can give me and I'll get to that as soon as I get through this period. You get what I'm saying? As soon as this particular suffering is over. That's what I love about Ravi Zacharias. He says, no, don't miss it. This is your life. Now, and whatever time God has allotted for this pandemic, and whatever time God has allotted for that pain in your life, and whatever time God has allotted for that distance and relationship with someone else in your life, and whatever time God has allotted for that suffering in your life, it's not meaningless. God has a plan for you to draw closer to him through this time. Don't miss it. There's purpose for this. There's purpose for this pandemic. There's purpose for your pain. There's purpose. So he says the answer to anxiety is not getting over it. It's not waiting for it to be done. The answer to the anxiety that we feel is, is peace. All right, so how do we get peace? What does he say? Pathway to peace is what? Simply put, prayer. What have peace? Pray. The pathway to peace is prayer. It's not what you feel. It's not wrong to feel anxious. It's not wrong to feel stressed. It's what you do with it. If you adopt it as a mantra and allow it to continue, that's the thing he's saying, don't do that. Don't be. Don't continue in the state of being. Do something with it. What the thing he says to do with it is prayer. Peace um, is a fruit of the Spirit, which means it's part of the birthright of the new birth. But it's also something we have to train ourselves. Like everything else, it's something you have to train yourself to enter into through prayer. Now, I do believe that the Holy Spirit comes and just wrecks you. And, and, can, and can supernaturally change things in the moment. Like, I believe that those of you, that you can experience, like, instantaneous supernatural healing from depression. I believe that completely. I do. I will say this. My experience is that it's not often like that. My experience is that generally it's what happens inside has to be trained up in our lives because we spent, the, we spent our whole life up to this point acting a different way. And we have to train our mind and train our emotions and train our bodies to act in the way that we have been born into. Does that make sense? We've got to train. We've got to get out of these ruts and into new things. And for some of us, what we've been trained to do with stress and anxiety is freak out or isolate and get by ourselves or get angry and lash out or get online and complain about how everything is against us. Who am I talking to right now? Someone you know, not you, right? And what he says is, hey, peace is yours in the spirit. You just have to train yourself to enter into it and receive it and live in it. And the way you do that is through prayer. Because for Christians, anxiety can often replace prayer instead of produce it. Like, have you ever, so he's saying actually, he's saying pray. Um, but have you, ever, have you ever done this? You... Followers of God, you ever, have you ever stressed before the Lord? I don't mean like pray, but kind of here's, here's how, here's how I, I'm just going to be transparent. Here's, here's how I do it. God knows everything. He knows how things are going. He knows the situation in my life. He knows what things are going. So I'm just going to carry this ball of anxiety around before the Lord. And just, Lord, you know what? I'm just laboring under this stress, and you know it all, and I'm just going to kind of carry it around with me. I'm going to stress out before the Lord. I'm going to be a ball of anxiety and faithlessness before the Lord. And that's going to be kind of praying. Have you ever done that or is that just me? 
You ever just had to sort of like just leaned on this assumption that God's kind of taking care of everything and I don't need to do much? I'm just going to assume that you guys are all manning on the inside. This is not unlike preaching to a camera, which I've been doing for a couple of months now. So help a brother out. Make sure I'm on the right. I'm like, is the camera still rolling or no? Okay. He says you have to actually pray. Prayer, honestly, I, I think like, not, and you guys maybe can correct me on this, but I feel like 90% of prayer is actually just getting us to conform into something. You're not like telling God anything he doesn't already know. Prayer is so much often about us getting into alignment with God because we would rather pray and also own the stress and own the fear and own the anxiety. I'd rather pray but also keep feeling the way I'm feeling. And so what he's saying here is you've got to pray. And, and listen, part of anxiety is the need to account for things. And so what does he specifically say? Check out the word he uses here. He says, let your requests be made known to God. Make sure you read the Bible like as it's intended to be read. He doesn't just say pray. He says let your requests be made known to God. Um, he doesn't say let your situation be known to God. As if God is not omniscient and doesn't already know all of it. We do not catch God up on our lives when we pray. We do not fill him in on some of the details he may have missed when we pray. Think about that for a second, because we do that. Like we, that's how we pray sometimes. God, if I can just actually get, if I can actually just tell him what's going on, maybe he'll respond to it. No. He says, make your request. And, and this is about us. Not fill God in. God knows best what we need. This is about us bringing our cares to God. So here's literally what he's saying to do. He's saying you're ang anxious and you're stressed and you've got this situation. It's about money. It's about relationships. It's about time. It's about the COVID-19. It's about all this stuff. So he says, he says, um, bring your or make your request be made known to God. So here's literally what he's saying to do. Okay, God, I'm going to actually come before you now and I'm going to actually pray. Because see, anxiety is less, oftentimes less about specific situations. It's just kind of that state of stress that things aren't being accounted for. And so what we do with anxiety is when we bring our requests and make them known to God, we don't, we don't um, make them known like he doesn't know. We make them known as in this is what I am stressed about. And so we say, Lord, um, I am really stressed out about money right now. And you know what this economic stuff has happened and it's really challenging us with this COVID-19. It's broken some of the systems and I'm really stressed out about it. It's become something I'm, I'm anxious about and I'm worried about. And so, Lord, I'm going to bring this request to you and I'm going to ask you, Lord, will you please specifically take care of my financial situation? Will you please provide for me? I am always amazed at how many people have never actually physically prayed that prayer. I mean, you've stressed it and thought it, but the actual process of saying, this is what it is that I'm stressed about, and Lord, here is what I am asking. I just feel like part of the enemy's work in our lives is just to keep us mute. Lord, I'm, I'm concerned about this virus. I'm concerned about the effects of it. I'm concerned about all the people that are dying and the challenges that everybody's facing. And I'm, I'm maybe a little bit worried that I'm going to get it. And so, Lord, I'm asking you right now, would you please put a shell and a hedge of protection around me and my family and my church and my pastor? Lord, would you do that? Like, like some of us are right now going, dude, I haven't actually prayed that yet. 
I've thought it, I've stressed it, but actually, and so this is what he's saying here. He's saying, he's saying, get on your knees and start bringing these requests out and making them known to God. This and this and this. The goal of this prayer is to bring every state of our anxiety and our mental challenge and our emotional upheaval, to bring every state of that into submission to the sovereignty of God. Yeah? I got to do it. Like, you got to actually do it. And again, it's not about God. It's not about like him waiting to unlock a key. It's, it's, like, it's like for me to say, now, and, and this is where he, he says here, did you notice he says, with thanksgiving? It just, kind of, it just felt like a weird thing to throw in there, but I think I get it now, which is, here's what he's saying. Um, like, this hasn't all been fixed yet. And nothing's really changed except that I've now accounted for this before God and everything that was on my mind is now out in the open and I've brought it under God's sovereignty and it's out there and he's accounting for it. And it says, with thanksgiving, which is, this is how that goes. Lord, I'm thankful because as I bring this before you, your loving care for me and your awesome power over me is now accounting for every single thing that I am anxious about. You get it? There's, there's a conformity, and this is what discipleship is. It's helping us conform our minds and our emotions to the sovereignty of God. We say it, we know it, but we have to, like, do it. We have to practice it with thanksgiving. Lord, I'm so thankful. I've gotten it all out there. And I'll tell you what, that, that's a good way to get your spirit different real quick. Spend 10 minutes, and I, what I do is i got to write it. It's just, you know, because if you're like me, I, I get real schizophrenic about prayer, and I, I start forgetting things and thinking about football, and then I go, oh, man, I'm praying, right. But, but, but if you write it down, and then you look at this list and say, I have physically brought all of my requests and made them known to God. He's on it. You just feel the liberation that comes from that. He's on it. That's the best that I can do. And it says, so I can have peace. That's where peace comes from. It's submitting it to the sovereignty of God. And the final thing here is that it's not just peace. Um, here's, here's the key. Uh, God's peace comes from the Spirit, not from our circumstances. God's peace doesn't come from it being fixed. He can. He will. He's got the power to do it. But his peace comes from, it's a spiritual gift that we receive. You know, peace is a gift of the, uh, through the Spirit. Something we receive from God. He says, the peace of God, oh man, get this in your spirit today. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. So what's he saying here? He's saying, he's saying, it's not an equation. You're not doing math here. All right, this got fixed, therefore I have peace now. The curve is flattened, therefore I have peace now. The government relaxed restrictions, therefore I have peace now. Which is implying and saying, if those things don't happen, I don't have peace yet. That's not what he's talking about here. Spiritual peace is not something you can calculate. It's something you receive from God as a gift. It's not something that happens after the challenges. It's in spite of the challenges. And let me tell you something. That spiritual peace can be yours today. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your life's going through. I'm, I'm assuming a lot of you are having tough times. I mean, my church, my family, we're all going through challenging stuff. 
God's still in control. This isn't like something that caught him by surprise. But I can tell you today that you can be going through this in a completely different way than just bearing the ball of anxiety until hopefully something changes. That's a miserable way to live. And it's a secular humanist way to live. And God's saying, there's a whole other life I've given you here. It's peace that what? Passes understanding. It's peace that can't be calculated and quantified. Why do you have peace? Your situation hasn't changed. Yeah, but I just, I got something. It's, it, it passes my intellect. I, I don't know. But God gave it to me. And he's sovereign. And he's got it under control. And I trust him. Right? Amen. He says it'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that just says this, and I just want to leave you with this. That's all those frantic, anxious thoughts. That's me. That's where, I, that's where I get. It's a mind thing with me. Maybe that's you. It's just frantic and anxious and what if, what if, what if. There was a time, there was a period of time there I'm like, dude, we're not going to have Easter. That was a lot harder on your pastor than you realize. I mean, it was hard on everybody, but boy. Did you guys have Easter here? It was online. Okay, well, I don't mean you didn't have it online, but you know what I mean. You get your dresses on and have egg hunts and all that stuff. All those frantic, anxious thoughts. All those raging emotions that you're sitting on. That's a knot in your stomach. He says, this peace is going to guard your heart. It's going to guard your mind against that. And it's going to replace it with this confident, spiritual peace and assurance. Jesus is in control. I have accounted for everything that troubles me before him. His sovereignty is over it. His loving care is over it. And I can have peace. Would you stand up with me today? Let me just uh, do this and I'll, I'll, I'll pray in close. Just, just think about right now, what is the big thing in your life right now? Don't, you don't have to get clever with it. Just, just whatever the big thing. If you're saying, if I was anxious about anything, here it is. And if it's like two or three, if you're one of those people that can't ever give one thing, then fine, do two or three. I don't care. <laughs> now, this doesn't stop here because I'm going to actually go home and actually practice this. It's no fair like hearing a great message that was great and then forgetting about it and go home, right? Like you got to actually practice this. But I'm just going to invite you right now to, to just get alone with God just for a minute. Get alone with God. Give the people around you a little bit of sort of emotional and mental space and, and just get alone with God and, and just say, Lord, this is the thing. This is the thing that troubles me. Man, I, I, it took me a while to actually get how, how bad I am at this reading this scripture. But for some of you, it's maybe you've never done this. This is the thing. It's not some sort of vague thing, but this is what's bothering I'm really bothered by this. This is my concern. And I'm just going to encourage you right now to make your request known to God. What is it that you are asking him to do? There's a passage of scripture where Jesus walked up to a man who was by this, this pool of Bethesda and there was a supernatural covering over this pool. And so the first person who got into it when the angel stirred the waters would be healed. It's amazing. And there was this man Jesus encountered who was, they say, lame. He was crippled in some way. And, and Jesus says, he walks up to him and says, what do you want me to do for you? And you know what the guy answered? He said, there's nobody here to bring me into the pool. 
Now, there's a whole other story to be said there. Sometimes we like our situations because of the way it keeps us from having to take responsibility from our lives. Sometimes we like our situations because we like the attention it gives us. But really, the, po- the sad part about that was Jesus asked him a very simple question. What do you want me to do for you? And I read that now and I go, hey, dummy, answer the question. You didn't have to go get wet. <laughs> so what is it right now? What is the request you just need to make known to God? Make it known to him right now in prayer. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for the sweet spirit in this house right now, Lord. And I just pray in simple faith. Lord, we just sometimes need to have the simple things of our faith activated again. And I just pray all the burdens, all the anxiety, all the things we carry with us every day. It's so difficult. And Lord, we know there's purpose in suffering. We know there's purpose in pain. We know there's purpose in this situation. And we know that you are working things out on your time. But... Lord, you've also commanded us to make our request known to you. You are a sovereign God who cares for us and heals us. And so I ask you right now in Jesus' name, as each person here is making their request known to you in their own words, in their own way, Lord, this is what's bothering me. Lord, you know the weight this has been on my life. You know this relationship has been fractured, Lord, and I'm just desperate to see it restored. Lord, you know I need provision. I've been stressing out about how I'm going to make ends meet. And I just, Lord, I need, your, I need you to provide for me right now. Lord, I'm worried about the state of our country. Lord, I'm, I'm concerned. Lord, whatever it is right now, Lord, we're just making a request known to you. And we are making it, bringing it boldly out into the light of your sovereign grace. Lord, you are omnipotent. Your power is matchless. You snap your fingers and worlds are spun into orbit. And you are also gracious and you father us. What an amazing combination, Lord. And so we ask that your loving graciousness and your sovereign power would go and act on our situations today. We make our requests be known. And Lord, I just declare this over this house right now. The supernatural, incalculable peace of God the peace that doesn't mathematically equate, the peace that hovers in desperate circumstances, the peace that encourages and sustains through things that would break other people. I pray that that would just hover, just, just let, like blow through this room right now, Lord God. Peace. And you need to receive that today. There's another thing you gotta do is you gotta receive that today. Peace, peace. It may not change tonight, it might, but it may not, but guess what? God's still in control. He's still sovereign. He's still gracious. None of this is beyond him. Your situation is noticed by him. You're not just one of the multitude. He knows your name. He knows your number. He knows what you're going through. And you receive that peace today as you bring your request to him today and say, God is in control. God is in control. And I just declare that peace over this house right now, Lord God. Would you just help us to, Lord, replace that anxiety and that fear and that stress with peace, Lord God, that supernatural peace. And I just declare that over this house and pray that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Come on. Let's praise God. Do you want me to close it out and send them home? You want me to do that? Okay. Let me bless you guys today. Hey, thanks. Uh, this is the first time I've preached in front of people in like months, so 
I'm sorry if it didn't, if it didn't land, but I just hope it, I hope it blessed you today. I appreciate you letting me preach today. Let me just bless you right now in Jesus' name. Would you just raise your hands up? Lord, bless you and keep you today. Man, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys do this or not. Brother Rutzen, come here. I, I, I've heard you do this before, and I haven't heard it in years. You've got you to do your blessing. Can, can I get, can I do that today? Yeah. Come here. You stand right there. I'll come get you. I'm not going to do this nearly as well as he will. You know what? And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he provide for every need. May he grant you those things that you lack, those things that you are worried and concerned about. May his provisions be abundantly yours. May he bless your family. May he bless your home. May he bless your work and your labors and also your leisure. And may he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you and give you his marvelous, amazing peace that your servant spoke to us about today. May you receive it May you possess it. May you walk in it. May you be enriched with the peace of God this week. In Jesus' name, amen.